When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Back to another a lively edition of the Thought Police. We're getting more and more people into this, you know. It's really good, um, and uh, people can now email us as well, as we've yeah. said before. What's the uh, What's the email address that they can send us in um, correspondence to? It's uh, the Thought Police. No, no, it's not. It's Thought Police it's Pod. Thought Police Pod. Yes. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. And so yeah. maybe soon we'll read out a few more of your ideas because you can send us ideas. Yeah. You can ask us questions. One of the things that people have enjoyed saying. Uh, about things that people have written about is some of the old Fleet Street tales and some of the characters that we yes. used to work with. And one of them that we've been <laughs> meaning to talk about for ages really properly yeah. is Don Mackay. Don Mackay. Don Mackay, the Legend. famously legendary kind of news reporter stroke madman yes. um, who <laughs> ruled the roost both at the Daily Star for a while yeah. and at the Mirror. I mean, when I came to the Mirror in 1999, he was already there. So I don't know when he joined them from the start, but he was... A man about the same age as me, I suppose, maybe yeah. slightly older. A little older. I'm fifty eight, so. So he's about. The, I mean, he died a couple of years ago, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he might have been fifty eight. I remember he, died. he boasted once uh, to me that he'd been to see the doctor. Um, yeah. And uh, the doctor said, and he said, the doctor said to me, he said, I can't believe he's still alive. He said, you got the body of a sixty five year old, <laughs> and I and I, and he said I was quite pleased with that, and uh, <laughs> I said, how old are you? He said, fifty four. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he drank all the time. I mean, he wasn't like yeah. he was like. An alcoholic, like most alcoholics, I suppose, that you know. No. But he just drank beer he, all the he's time. what you'd call a functioning alcoholic, yeah. I think, you know. Yeah. Um, and even when, uh, well, drunk, yeah. he, was, he could operate brilliantly. Oh, yeah. You know, um, he was... A, I have very mixed feelings about McCann. Yeah. Because I, I found him to be a bit of a bully in the newsroom. Some he people, saw, a lot some of people, people saw that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know a lot of younger uh, um, journalists now... Um, who kind of came up through yeah. the ranks, maybe, who are now 30-something. Yeah. And they hated him. I mean, he could not exist in today's environment. No. No way. He'd be fired within 10 minutes. Yeah. But I remember the very first time I went out for lunch, uh, having just joined the Mirror. Yeah. So this would be in 96 or something right. like this. 96. Right. And my mate, Brian Reed, who yes. I'd worked very closely with at the Liverpool Echo yeah. and was on the Mirror at that time, said, come down to Davies, yeah. which was the local... Beer place, yeah, the wine bar, round yeah. the corner, yeah. And we sat there at lunchtime and had a few drinks. Right. And Mackay was there, mm. and because I, I was the new boy, and Mackay was almost always there. He was all he was propping up the bar yeah. at Davies. Yeah. Like, there's a funny, funny story about um, somebody else we'll come on to in a minute, but it was always habituating right. the local place to 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 a rather amusing mm. uh, extent. Anyway, Mackay 
was was saying, eh, you know, he's a deep hard case Glaswegian. Yeah. You know, eh, like, well, funny you know. enough, he wasn't a hard case Glaswegian. The only reason I know this is because he came up to Glasgow when I moved up to Scotland. Yeah, and he came up at one point because he was a bit of a lost soul at times as well. And he and I worked quite well together. He came up to Glasgow. And nobody paid any attention to him. Right. Because he was actually from Edinburgh. Was he? So, of course, all the hard case, real glass. He was all put on. All the real glass. Yeah, you're from fucking Edinburgh. Get the right, fuck. Right, get right, to right, fuck, right, they used to say. Right. They didn't think he was hard at all. So, he he was needling me all the way through yeah, this yeah. thing. And I, I was like 26 or something, mm. you know, didn't know my arse from my Yeah, own. yeah. And he went to the bog. And I said to, I turned to Brian and I said, what's this fella's problem? You know, yeah. I felt like it was going to end up in a fight. Yeah, yeah. And Brian said to me, He's totally harmless. When he yeah. comes back, just whisper in his ear that if he ever talks to you again like that, you'll slap him. Yeah. Right. So, right. so Mackay walks back right. to the to the table, right. and I, I, I leant over and said, "Don, don't talk to me like that, please, because I'll yeah. get really arsy if you do." Yeah. And he, hey, only kidding, lad. Only kidding. Oh, that really? was the last trouble I ever had with him. Yeah. yeah. So Brian had his measure, definitely. Yes, I think that's true. I mean, like a lot of bullies, he probably was a bit of a coward. But my first yeah. encounter with with Mackay was actually before I joined the Mirrors, when I was working for the Express. And it was shortly after I joined the Express. And I'd come back, it was the first proper newspaper job I'd ever had, right? So I'd been living in America, very high on the hog, making a lot of money. And uh, suddenly coming back to work in a newsroom, which I'd never really done. I mean, before I left London to go to America, I'd done a few shifts at the Sun in Bouverie Street, and I'd done a few subbing shifts as well at the Mail on Sunday. But I was never really part of anything, you know? And uh, so suddenly I came back into this kind of newsroom scenario where even those days, 27 reporters at the Daily Express, yeah. you know, Amazing. which was an incredible number, Amazing. considering now there's probably about four, right? Yeah. Um, and John Toomey was one of them, who was the um, famous crime correspondent. I think he's still there. Very florid-faced guy that looked like a copper. Yeah. You know, yeah. he looked like the sort of guy that you would be, in, you know, yeah. asked questions by the CID That's bloke right. turns up. But you the know. best crime correspondent Yeah, but he did, knew everybody, yeah. you know. Um, and he never had to go anywhere, really. He just kind of masterminded everything from his desk. Yeah. He'd sometimes disappear for hours on end. We knew he'd gone off to the pub to meet, you know, knacker of the yard or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he said to me, um, we were drinking after work one day, and he said, oh, why don't we go up to the Stab, which was the old mirror pub, uh, the Stab in the back, as it was known. Yeah. Was, it the, was it the something, was it the, 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 the White Heart or something? I don't know. It was, was, no, it was be- slightly before my time. Oh, okay. It was the old, it was the old mirror building on Holborn. Yeah. And I, funnily enough, went to see if it was still there, and it's not there anymore. No, it's Sainsbury's headquarters. Well, Sainsbury's headquarters, no, but also where the pub was is gone. Oh, right. That's a new building. I think it was the White Hart or something like that. But it was known as the stab in the back, because it was where people got taken to be fired and all that, (laughs) you know. So it was shortened to the stab. So I said, yeah, okay, why not? He said, oh, load of the mirror guys will be up there. And I was kind of a new boy, because everyone sort of knew my byline, but they didn't know me. Yeah. Um, And I was treated with some suspicion, as you can imagine, you know. Um... Anyway, so we walk into this pub, it was quite dark, and there was quite a few people that I sort of recognised, some of whom I'd seen in New York and stuff. And then this figure emerged and sort of basically jumped onto me and put him in a headlock and started yeah. punching the top of his head. Yeah. And then they started rolling around on the ground. And this was literally the minute we walked in. And I'm going, what the fuck is what's this guy doing? And everyone's going, oh, don't worry, it's Mackay. Yeah. And nobody batted an eyelid. Yeah. And of course, Toomey eventually got up, and Toomey was a very mild-mannered guy, I wouldn't say boots and goose. Um, and they both just got up, came to the bar, yeah. and he was always immaculately dressed, wasn't he? Always had very cufflinks. Very dapper. He had a, always had cufflinks. And, and he used to love a, he used to have like a, uh, a very navy blue or a black yeah. pinstripe yes, suit. Very right. dapper. Right. Um, and uh, and they just came up and, and, and sort of, we had a similar kind of encounter where he started kind of yeah, haranguing slightly him. haranguing me. Yeah. And I just said, look, mate, I've just come from New York. You better yeah. back the fuck off. Yeah. And he did. And then after that, we sort of became quite matey, you yeah. know. 
But it wasn't until later that I learned of all the great stories. Because, I mean, you, know, you should tell the Blackie the donkey well, story. Well, he, he was on the Daily Star at that point, yeah, wasn't he? And there right. was this great chase to get this poor abuse. I can't remember where the story had come from. It was from. somewhere in Spain, right? Down this south, is, yeah. Yeah, it was a place where they used to have this ridiculous... I, th- I think they've finally now stopped doing it, but only mm-hmm. relatively recently. But they take a... They, they, they sort of... Um, put a don- donkey in a harness yeah. and somehow, you know, get it up to the top of a diving board right. and then chuck it off the oh, diving board into a, into a swimming pool. Right. And inevitably the donkey lives. Yeah. But I mean, the view is it's pretty traumatic because yeah. it doesn't actually yeah. want to be diving off a harness. So there was board, this you know? race, wasn't it, down yeah. to Spain to and get so to the get idea lucky. was to, to save the donkey the and bring it back went out. to some donkey sanctuary in Devon. Get Blackie yeah. the donkey. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was about six reporters all. Well, Hugh Whitto was one of them, the son. Yeah. Welsh guy who later became editor of the Express. Yeah. I don't know who else was involved, but certainly Mackay was. was. And Mackay got got down there and did. There was some shenanigan where somebody thought they'd got it. And yeah. Well, I think Witto thought that he'd got it. Yeah. And, and I think Mackay nicked it. Mackay went to the stable. Yeah. Witto thought he'd got this thing yeah. nailed down and sort of in a safe safe house or a safe stable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is when you think about how ridiculous and it is. The donkey. When you think how ridiculous it was. <laughs> And then there was a spate of it where apparently, you know, I, I remember Alan Hall telling me a story from uh, when he was working at the Sun, where he got sent to rescue a cat, yeah. which had been spotted because after the, the success of the Blackie thing, and they all, all these editors decided, well, this is great this in is this the new silly thing. season in the summer, yeah. we're going to rescue a load of abandoned animals from some <laughs> ghastly Mediterranean country, and he had to try and drive this cat all the way back through. Um, the continent of Europe because he couldn't obviously fly with it yeah. and he, I remember he told me one of the greatest stories where it made me piss myself laughing where he got it to Paris or something right and he had to smuggle it through from Dover to Calais uh, from Calais to Dover rather and so he didn't know what to do he wanted to go out on the piss and have a meal so he tied the cat to the four poster bed that he had in some luxury hotel right <laughs> and when he came back it was sort of hanging because he had tried to <laughs> he had tried to escape out of the collar oh, no. and it was, it, was like, <clears throat> it was kind of hanging off the side of the bed luckily he was able oh, to bring it back God. to life but he thought Christ yeah. he'd already thought if it dies oh. I'm just going to have to go and buy another cat you just reminded me of, and think, bring a cat bring a different cat back right yeah. and make out that that's just a different cat thing, yeah. yeah just a different I once witnessed with my own eyes yeah. right that death the hanging of a dog at oh, Freshfield where I grew up Freshfield near, near Liverpool right and it had a, you know, these rail crossings. Oh, yeah. And the thing that goes up and down. Oh, God, what, the gate? And, yeah, and there was a news agent right. next to the railway crossing. Right. Um, and this fella had tied his uh, dog to this thing. Why? And No, I didn't. What, you Chain mean, to comes, go into the rain? To go into the thing. Oh, jeez. Chain comes, thing, barrier goes up. Hey. Fella comes back down, tra- barrier's down, staring at his dog, wondering why it's dead. And people Jesus. say, it's just been... Jesus, to make that's it. awful. And, I know, and, and, you know, it sounds like an apocryphal tale. <laughs> I saw, I saw I mean, I my own shouldn't eyes. Be laughing, but these are the kind of yeah. things that you yeah. laugh at. Yeah. I mean, one of the most ridiculous stories, it's actually in my book, which is coming out hopefully towards the end of the year, uh, was when Mackay was finally dis- was sort of pensioned off, if you like, by Eugene Duffy, yeah. who by that stage, I think was still, I think he was still news editor and he hadn't right. quite become managing editor. But they tried everything with Mackay. They tried, you know, keeping him as a reporter, but he was just fucking up. He was drinking more and more and more. Yeah. Uh, there were other times when... They put they, him on the late night they desk. They put him on the late night yeah. desk, which meant he came in at sort of five o'clock in the yeah. hopes that he wouldn't drink. But of yeah. course, he was drinking before he came in. Yeah, yeah. And then he would disappear off to Chili's, which was <laughs> the Mexican right. place in the in the Canary Wolf building, where he could just sit and drink Heineken's for yeah. about four hours. Yeah. And they tried all these... And suddenly, as the Welsh Mirror kind of got going, 
because Steve White had sort of started it all off, you know, he yeah. was a brilliant guy. Brilliant. Steve was, you know, the kind of consummate news editor, always yeah. calm, but he was based in Manchester. So and ran to, the north for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, he eventually had to go, because he was stuck in Wales for months on end. Right. His wife never saw him, his kids never saw him, so he eventually went back. And Eugene came up to me one day and said, how do you fancy um, having a new news editor? And it was all that. And I went, well, you know, I think it's probably quite good. So we had this young team of kids yeah. who had been hired from either the local, local papers or... I mean, one of them actually has gone on since to be BBC Wales political editor. Right. A guy called Nick Savini, who oh, I've yeah. never spoken to yeah. since, but, you know. So there were these very fresh-faced young kids. And he said... I said, who are you, who are you thinking? And he said, I'm actually thinking about Don Mackay. <laughs> and there was a kind of a slight pause. And I kind of looked at him and he looked at me and I said, look... I said, well, it could work. I said, you know, but in those days, we only had um, a really small office and it was in one of those, you know, those temporary kind of offices where you rent the space yeah. by the week. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it was out by the M4. Right. So you literally came off the Cardiff exit. It wasn't even in Cardiff. Yeah. It literally, there was a hotel, a pub and this office block, right? right. So we were in there. Um, very sort of, um, you know, non script with no yeah. atmosphere whatsoever it was just yeah. a room yeah. with a few laptops in it you know and uh, so but he but he went down and actually did a really good job yeah in terms of organizing them he was a professional it, he was a professional and he taught them a lot but then it got to the point where it kind of moved on from the fact that he he had taught them everything he knew yeah and he basically would news edit the paper from the pub yeah you know and i would pop down to see him and i'd be like right let's talk about this and we would literally stand in the pub for four hours while he was on the phone to the, the guys yeah. telling them what to do, organising it, because his view yeah. was he could he could be the news editor from the pub. Well, do you remember, in the, there was another pub next to Dave's called the First Edition. Yes. And that had telephone lines right. from the news desk, yeah. from the Telegraph, the Independent and the Mirror. Right. So the news desk could, had a hotline straight yeah. into the First Edition. So, yeah. so, I mean, this is, it's hard really now to explain just the drinking culture of Fleet Street. Yeah. Everyone was pissed, you know. Yeah. Everyone went out, everyone got But pissed. you know what I will say to people? That we were a much more successful business in yeah. those days. You know, many more copies were being sold. Well, I know that there was no bloody internet, mate. Well, that's true. But still, I mean, before the internet became a thing, yeah. you know, circulation had already started falling down a bit once new technology had come in. I mean, I remember my dad used to work in... Um, Newspapers, you know, from the early days, the fifties and sixties, when they were never using hot metal, and he was on the evening news, they would do something like seven editions yeah. from seven in the morning till yeah. one in the afternoon, yeah. like that, and they well, could change my, really quickly. My dad was on the Liverpool Echo, yeah, and, and the same thing. You as know. soon as they introduced colour, yeah. as soon as they introduced the kind of offset yeah. printing system, you know, it was a hell of a lot slower. Yeah, that's you know? right. There's a funny story my dad tells about when the Liverpool Echo got this. Uh, it was, I mean, the, the machinery they used to produce a newspaper was mm. just like out of the arc, wasn't it? You know, oh, yeah. they literally used to melt lead yeah. and form letters. And letters would, would yeah. form because you'd hit a, like yeah. a typewriter key. That's right. And it would actually form the letter. There and then. It, I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable to I see, know. but there'd be this stream of, of yeah. molten lead forming into... We used to have a, um, yeah. um, a printing press, not printing press, but the typo machine. Yeah. Linograph, I suppose. Linotype. Linotype, yeah. was it? In the lobby of the old... Ex That's right, press with the Echo. Yeah. yeah. But the, uh, they also had this, there'd been some new technology about the way they printed the, the sheets yes. that would eventually end up on the, on the printing press. And this technology required them to be photographed, but then baked right, in, yes. a, in a sort of oven of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And the so echo, this was like a sort of a papier-mâché yes, thing, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Almost, so, yeah. so there was a special kind of oven that baked these sheets. <laughs> and the Echo was the first paper in Europe, I think, to get this technology. Right. And it was so expensive and such a big deal. Princess Anne 
<coughs> had come round and to inaugurate this right. new press hall, mm. you know, in, and their new offices. And they were so expensive that you... It cost I a mean, million quid, yeah, you like A lot of them couldn't buy them, they had yeah. to just rent them, right? But, so my dad and, and the managing director and the editor and all that, they're showing Princess Anne around the place. Right. And here's the final pièce de résistance, you know. Now, Your Majesty... This is this the new technology. It's the, it bakes these plates. Right. It's going to revolutionise what we do. And there were two uh, uh, printers right. sitting by these things, manning mm. this thing. And my dad said to the guys, "Will you open the the oven, please, and yes. show show Princess Anne yeah. this technology?" And one of them looked at my dad and just shook his head and said, "No." <laughs> and she stood there. Right. And my dad says, "Open, open yeah. the oven now." And the fella says, "I don't think that's a good idea." And my dad said, open the thing now. Right. And they opened it, and there were two meat and potato pies. <laughs> <laughs> they were just heating their lunch. They were just heating their lunch. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But that was it. I mean, you know, the whole point of um, of that old system was when I did my first shift of the sun, the building used to shake. Yeah. You know, so you could you knew the printing press had yeah. started up. That's my earliest memory, mate. Yeah. Standing, holding my mum's And the hand. smell. Holding my mum's hand in Victoria Street, yeah. which is the old Liverpool Echo yeah. building, and the printing press was in an eighty-foot well right. underneath the the uh, the building, and that was my first memory of mm. feeling this shaking feeling the, like the, an earth the, the vibration as yeah. the press starts. Well, I remember taking my girl, then girlfriend, who I later married, round the back of the Mirror Building to show all the papers being loaded onto the trucks. Yeah, so they'd be driven out at yeah. one night, sort of you know eleven o'clock at night or something. Yeah. And I said, one day I'm going to work in there. Yeah, and I was about nineteen. Did you? Did yeah. you really? Yeah. And um, and it was the smell of the ink. Amazing. It was just incredible. I was always drawn to it. I don't know what it was. I really, I always kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. The best newspaper office I've ever been to in my life yeah. was a friend of mine who's, who owns a newspaper in Brazil. Oh, called, yeah. And his name's Walter de Matos. And he owns a, a sports paper called Lance. Okay. And his office is, the editorial floor is on one side. Yeah. And then there's this massive soundproof glass. Right. right the, the, the size of... You know, three stories, yeah. and the printing press is on the other side. Yeah. So you're sitting there as a journalist, and you can see the right. printers taking your. There's something very it's magic. There's something very magical about it. I mean, yeah. even to this day, um, when I used to go, well, I mean, when I was working in America, and I used to have to go down to the New York Post building to do shifts for News News UK or whatever it was, News International then, News yeah. of the World, The yeah. Sun. Yeah. Um, you know, just walking into a building where they were producing a newspaper yeah. and walking through a newsroom. It was electric. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and even last February, funnily enough, when I took the kids to LA and we were driving out the airport and we passed the LA Times building. And you just kind of, for me anyway, you just kind of go, wow, look, there's the LA Times. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. there is something about it. But what you see now... And I've seen this down in Sussex. I mean, and you'll know this because you're involved in, in sort of, you know, regional papers and yeah. stuff. There's a lot of buildings closing down. Totally. A lot of people not doing that kind of work anymore. Right. And, you know, the idea that uh, that the Mirror would have expanded in the days that we worked for it to do a Welsh edition, a Scottish edition, a Northern Irish yeah. edition, a Southern Irish edition. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. And it became quite often a very different paper. We did a hybrid edition once. Do you did, remember? Yeah. Remember was that the one where France, France won the World Arsenal Cup? Win the World Cup. Piers was, that was great. Piers Morgan was such an Arsenal fan that he, we ran off about a thousand copies yeah. saying Arsenal win the right. World Cup. I remember that. Sold out in Arsenal. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But you're right. There's something I've always thought, you know, I've worked in a lot of newsrooms and they always seem to fall into two categories to me. There are noisy newsrooms yeah. and there are quiet newsrooms. Yeah. And I've always felt myself drawn to noisy newsrooms. Yes. And I've always been very suspicious of quiet newsrooms where mm. everyone's sort of studious yes. and maybe a little bit scared yeah. and intimidated. But the best newsroom I've ever worked in, and maybe it was because I was a kid and starting out, was that Liverpool Echo yeah. newsroom. And people used to throw paper balls at each yeah. other and play ping pong on the desks and, right. and would be batting and bowling at, at night, you know, and, mm. and, and sleep under the desks. Yeah. Quite often I'd slept under the oh, desk. Yeah. Well, there was a the famous cleaner. story about somebody, I don't think it was Mackay, who had slept under his desk, and he was one of the guys, I think, who had been out with Mackay, because that was the other thing about Mackay, we quite <laughs> often take people out to drink, yeah. and they'd never recover for about three <laughs> days, you know. And uh, there was one guy, it might have been, who was that guy, the blonde-haired guy who used to do the uh, the sort of the complaints column? There was two of them. Um, um, oh, not Andrew Penman. And, Andrew uh, Penman, yeah. Yeah, Penman, yeah. Penman, I think it was Penman. Yeah. Um, who had somehow come back and fallen asleep. And what he didn't realise was that <laughs> underneath the carpet, it was all mirror carpet, which had been put in, I think, by David Montgomery. Yeah. But it had the mirror's kind of slogan on it. So he woke up and he came up to the news desk and he had this big imprint of a big <gasps> M on his cheek. And they were like, where'd you get that from? That's brilliant. And, his, and his face had been sort of marked <laughs> by the carpet. But, I mean, Mackay got into him, got into all sorts of... Um, in many scrapes. Scrapes yeah. and difficulties. And, and never helped himself, and, did he? No. And in the end, like all guys like that, in the end, people just got tired of it. I remember. And just said, you know, yeah. we can't help you anymore. You when can't I was keep taking of, the picture. Not that good, you know? I was head of features at the Mirror. And yeah. I remember Piers Morgan walking down the newsroom and... And he was in one of those moods he used to get into, you know, those frustrated moods. Yeah. And he'd start moaning about yeah. everything. And, and he was quite scary when he was like... Yeah, he could be, you know, you didn't want to be on the wrong side mm. of him because he could really yeah. needle into you if yeah. he wanted to. And he went up to the, this, there was a bank of desks and with reporters sitting on it. And he said, you know, what's wrong with this bloody place? You know, right. we need to up the game and all of this business. Right. And Mackay... It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, so he was about 12 becks into right. the day. Right. And Mackay took his passport out of his uh, drawer and threw it like a frisbee across the desk right. to, and, to, and say to Piers, this is what's wrong with the place. You never let me travel anymore. Right. Anyway, the passport skimmed like a stone off the desk right, right into Piers' bollocks. And <laughs> Caught him really painfully, really? and, and Piers went down. You know, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I sort of looked at Mackay, and even Mackay just sort of thought, "Oh no, oh, if only I could do that." So. <laughs> oh Christ! Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, um, that that he told he told this story actually. You know, I know if I've told you before about the um, about the, the road accident in Wales, where he sent this young kid called Nick Pope out to cover this accident. It had been some relative of one of the uh, big rugby players. Whether it was Barry John or something like yeah. that. That it was their nieces or nephews, and it had been somebody. It was a tragic accident; somebody had been killed, and uh, and and so basically, um, he said to this kid, "Like, go down there. It was happened in somewhere just outside of Cardiff. Pick up whatever you can and come back to the office." You know, so he came back to the office, this kid, with a wiper and a piece of the indicator that he'd found on the road. <laughs> And, and we, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? He said, well, you told me to pick up whatever I could. So I got the windscreen one. He said, well, no, you're supposed to talk to people, get the fucking details. This guy, and it's, it's, it's evidence. And I mean, you know, so he often didn't communicate quite as well as perhaps he should have done. And he also, when he, stayed, when he first moved down there, he was stationed at the Marriott Hotel, which had become kind of, you know, 
sort of central um, base. central base for, yeah. for the mirror. And he, of course, had spent an absolute fortune in the Marriott bar. Yeah. I mean, literally, walk into the Marriott, everyone was like, oh, Mr. Mackay, how yeah. are you? Because yeah. he was literally like a sort of superstar. Yeah. And he managed to not only do all of the money that, that they gave him, plus the rest, but he'd also managed to get... He had the cleanest uh, bill of health in the history of the mirror yeah. because he got them to transfer all the bar bills into laundry. Yeah. So, when he put them, so when he put them into the paper, he was spending about 10 grand a month That's on laundry. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And they never quizzed it. So the other one that I've always thought was such a brilliant story was um, a sports, a former sports editor of the, the mirror who's mm. still alive, so I won't. Okay. Uh, but a lovely, lovely, lovely guy. Mm. Uh, but used to enjoy... Well, so I know who it's not then. Used to get... Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. You, but he used to get enjoy going out and spending an afternoon in the pub yeah. uh, and he used to drink in the slug and lettuce right. around the corner yeah. from the tube station at Canary Wharf and when the slug and lettuce came to refurbish themselves mm. internally they sent this guy four swatches of wallpaper to say which one really? do you like that's great so he chose the wallpaper for the slug and lettuce right. and they sent him an extra three rolls so he could he could do his bedroom in the same, in the same <laughs> <laughs> well I mean that was one of the things about Mackay towards the end after um, I suppose after he came back from Wales, I suppose it was because they kind of closed the Welsh edition down. Yeah. I got I got sent up to Scotland eventually, and Piers said to me, um, he said, "Well, he said, can't you run the Scottish and the Welsh edition?" I said, "Well, not really." I said, "I can't really run the Welsh edition in Scotland." Di- they're two different I mean, one of the reasons mate. for being there is that you kind of know what's going on, and you've got the kind of zeitgeist of the yeah. politics and all the rest of it. I said, "If I'm in Scotland." Can't really do it. So Kenny Parker yeah. was left in charge of. He was the sort of deputy left in charge of the uh, of the Welsh Mirror. Yeah. And my God, was that a bad idea? I mean, <laughs> love him as we do. And Kenny, this is a guy who's from Sunderland yeah. uh, and talks like a guy from Sunderland. Very which, much so. You know, but he was not. Uh, nuance was not his thing. Um, and I would be like, and after a while, it's like everything else. There's only so much you can do on the phone because technically he would ring me and I say, "So what are you doing?" Mirror's got a pretty good splash. Um, and one of the things I had to tell him was on the 9-11 day, um, when I was actually not at work, because I was off trying to fix my marriage, but yeah. you know, which didn't go well, um, we used to have this little banner that said, for all that matters in Wales, yeah. right? And I said, um, probably a good day to take that off, don't you think, <laughs> Kelly? What do you mean? He said, it's the Welsh Mirror. I said, yeah, but it's fucking 9-11, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a big page one, it's a blow-away yeah. page one, there's yeah. only one big picture on it, yeah. and I think it was The World at War was a headline. Yeah, so that's right, it was, yeah. Um, which was a great page. headline. Brilliant front Fantastic page. front page. Yeah. I mean, all front pages in those yeah. days were brilliant yeah, on that was. particular day, except for, funnily enough, The New York Times, really? who did the same paper they always do, right, with all the columns exactly the same. Really? The splash was 9-11, yeah. but you wouldn't have known it was anything different really? from every other day. Yeah, Extremely. go and find it. The New York Times on 9-11, yeah. this is why I used to have arguments with my sister. I said, this is why the New York Times is a shit paper. Yeah. They don't even know when the fucking, their own town gets attacked yeah. to do a wipeout front page. What's yeah. wrong with it? Yeah. Anyway, um, so, you know, things like that. I'd said to Kenny, yeah, just, just get rid of, uh, you know, for all the matters in Wales, you know, yeah. the fucking world's at war. Yeah. You know, it's not about Wales, okay? Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And don't change any intros if you find some Welsh people have died. You know, just don't do it. It's the kind of thing you had to tell him. Yeah. And finally, I think Piers got the hump with it because he did some horrendous. He did something really horrendous on a page three. Really? There was some awful story about some really fat person who had 
you know, something terrible had happened to them, but the pictures were really vile and ghastly, yeah. and he made it this it big huge. Through, yeah. Oh, this is fucking brilliant! Well, this and then it's like it was awful. It was horrendous, you know. That reminds me of that famous, and I think it's, I think, I don't think it's true, but the yeah. famous story about the Aberdeen Press and Journal the night the Titanic oh, so, yeah. sank. Well, the, I think it is true. The headline was Aberdeen Man yeah. Lost at Sea. I think it might <laughs> well have been true. I mean, funnily enough, it was only this week or last week, was it not, that they were saying, oh. You know, basically, the place that launched the Titanic has finally gone out of business. Yeah. You go, well, well it's taken I mean, a while. Honestly, but, you know, Holland, Holland and Wolf. Holland and Wolf. It's, it's probably not before it's time. Not, you know, if you're a shipbuilder, it's probably not the greatest boast, is it? It's really not, no. no. And of course, a lot of people think that it was bought, it was made in Liverpool because, because it was registered in, it was registered in yeah, Liverpool. At the Cunard buildings. But it actually left Britain from never, Southampton, didn't it? It did. It never went to Liverpool. Registered in Liverpool, think, yeah. built in Belfast. And it stopped at Ireland on the way. Yeah. And then it, then it was that. You know, and that was the end of that, 1912, yeah, absolutely right. But I mean, you know, the other funny story about Mackay was the Flandudno story, which I think I might have mentioned to you in the past about the curry the curry house and the yeah. fire. Yeah. And the funniest part of that was when he turned up, he'd, we'd booked, well, I always used to like to stay in really nice hotels, and I'd somehow found this amazing um, old sort of stately home type place on the outskirts of Flandudno. And it was one of these with lots of different buildings. And so my room was actually on its own in a little block called the Buttery. Right. right? And it was like stone cottage and it had beautiful, you know, um, bathroom and just redone and all that. And I remember getting back to the hotel um, and he was there having turned up with his... So with his, his entire body covered in curry because he'd been yeah. rolling about in his curry house. And he literally took his suit off and handed it to the night porter and said, Burn this! But the guy just burnt it. It was like, there's no way you're going to be able to clean it. It was covered in chicken gel frazzy or something. Did you, know? you ever hear that story about the, the Mirror Sports lads in Japan for the Japan, Japan World Cup? No, I so don't think so. They were there for about four weeks, obviously, right. and there was four of them. And Brian Reed was one of them, and he, he told me this, that they'd all come down, they decided they'd run out of clothes, and they thought, right, right tomorrow morning we'll come down with the, with the dry cleaning, right. the washing, you know. So they put all their washing into those little plastic bags yeah. you get, and they took it down to reception yeah. and said, can we... Where do we hand this right. in? And the receptionist got the bag at the first right. guy and just tipped it all out onto the desk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all these skid marks. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And the other three just melted away right. into the background. But yeah, this Japanese guy started sorting out the soil through oh there and then. Jesus, I thought you were going to say they then just chucked into the incinerator or something. Like so that. Here's, a, here's a question for you. Yeah. Obviously, totally different times, and journalists of our age are often yeah. accused of looking back with rose-tinted spectacles yeah. at the time. And I remember very famously Piers going to Anne Robinson, I think, at some do. Yeah. Because Anne Robinson was always going on about how great the mirror had been yes. in her days. Right. And Piers went and looked it out. You know, right. it was like 32 pages, uh-huh. four of which were TV listings, right. four of which were race cards. Yeah. And, and and then nothing, you know, like one feature. Yeah, really short stories nothing, as well. Nothing, you know, and, and, and he held it up and said, look, I've been through it, it was yeah. shit, you know. I mean, but the point was, that paper was selling five mm. million copies a day. Yeah. Is, uh, I know newspapers have moved so much, yeah. but do you see anything in new media, new newsrooms, new that gives you any kind of optimism that, that journalism has got another golden age to go into? I think it has. I mean, I think that there's some people who are managing to, to, to straddle both the new media and the old. For example, people that write columns in papers like The Times and maybe even The Telegraph yeah. uh, who are able to cross over into writing for you know online sites perhaps and, yeah. and actually writing pieces that work online as well. Um, I think The Times 
um, digital edition is fantastic. Yes. And it's actually now outselling the main paper. Yeah. And you profitable know? as well. And it's profitable yeah. as well. Because I was thinking this the other day, I mean, if you've got something, I'm not quite sure what the numbers are, but if you've got, I mean, I pay for it, and even though I can get it for free, I think it's about 30 quid a month. If you've got 100,000 people on 30, that's 3 yeah. million quid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's suddenly, I know it's not massive money for a massive organisation like News UK, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, we're going through this kind of period of, of uh, I don't know, re-evaluation of everything, yeah. where you've got these sort of untrustworthy sites that will disappear and will just become kind of, you know, propaganda. Yeah. And the trustworthy sites. But I think we haven't done ourselves any favours by, you know, the phone hacking scandal, you know, mm. things that we got wrong, things that, that the newspaper should have been better at. Yeah. Because I think for a long time we were very arrogant. And, and that was the period of time that you definitely, and I were there. Definitely. That we basically were like the kings of the world. No we one could else do anything. can do this. Nobody else yeah. can do it. Yeah. Uh, we're the only ones that know how to do it. Yeah. And I think, but I've yet to see, I would say, I mean, somebody funnily enough asked me a question, and maybe we'll just discuss it if it takes off. But there's some new online sports yeah, the operation called The Athletic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a couple of people have asked me about it and yeah. said, what do you think of this? And I'm like, well, I've seen a lot of online things come and go. I've seen a lot of people trying to set up paid for... Uh, you know, content, and not enough people pay for it. It's yeah. not good enough. It's not good enough just to be a great writer to make people pay for something that they can get somewhere else for free. Right. I mean, the Telegraph's plan now is that half the stuff that people tweet me and say, have a read of this, it's behind a paywall. Yeah. And I'm not going to read it. Yeah. Because it's a big problem. It's a big problem. See, I think on the sports thing, yeah. the, our mark, I, I'm going to stick my neck out here and, and say I think it will crash and burn in a relatively short period. Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, maybe yes. a year or so. Well, things like that before always have. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've got an amazing roster of journalists. Yeah. Right? They've got I mean, some friends of mine as well working on it, and they're super talented yeah. people. And but, if they're paying them a lot of money, and they are paying that's going to eat into their budget very fast. Yes, and but I think... Unlike the US market, the UK market is so saturated yeah. with sports coverage. Yeah. Every single newspaper right. does it so well. And so also, you've got to remember America websites. is a very big country. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why satellite radio works, yeah. because they've got so many people out there that yeah. want to listen to it. So I'll be, I'd be really surprised if, load, if enough people mm. sign up and, and start paying for the athletic. Right. I mean, look, I, I hope it works. I, I don't like the guy who runs it because I, I heard an interview of him saying we're going to screw local newspapers into the ground, right. you know, and we're going. Why is he going after them? We're going to bleed them dry until you know until they go oh, out of yeah. business. And I just thought, well, that's a bit of a silly way to go yeah. about business. But that's his. That's what his belief, and maybe there's something in it in that you know certain parts. Well, of I mean, it won't need he, to be. Remade. I mean, he will not be the one credited with killing off uh, small newspapers because no. they're already half dead. To well, be I, I listen, I. I, this is, I wrestle with that particular problem in my day job, day in, day out, and it has never been more challenging. The irony is that I don't think there's ever been a time mm. where we need local news yeah. and, and councils held to account yeah. and stuff like this. So it's never been more important, but it's never been tougher to make yeah. it work. No, we'll, I think we'll, see right. it works. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, we come to the end of another one. It was good fun, though. It was good. Um, mm. We'll do more of this uh, kind of you know, airy-fairy, you know, not necessarily talking about the uh, big events of the day. We should say on Don, by the way, just to, I mean, it, he, he was great mates with Prince Charles. He was. He used to go to Highgrove for dinner yeah. all the time. Yeah. And when he died, he had the most incredible uh, memorial service. Right. Hundreds of people turned up. Hundreds yeah. of people. Yeah. So it, if we've given the impression that he was just a dodgy, maverick yeah. character, then there was a little bit more to Oh, him. no, he was definitely a legend of Fleet Street, no yeah. question. Maybe we'll do another legend of Fleet Street soon. Yeah. 
won't be either of us. <laughs> this is the Thought Police. See you next week. It was so expensive and such a big deal. Princess Anne <coughs> was, had come round and to inaugurate this right. new press hall, mm. you know, in, and their new offices. And they were so expensive that you it cost I a mean, million quid. Yeah, you could. Like a lot of them couldn't buy them. They had yeah. to just rent them, right? But, uh, so my dad. And, and the managing director and the editor and all that, they're showing Princess Anne around the place. Right. And here's the final pièce de résistance, you know. Now, Your Majesty, this is this, the, the new technology, it's the, it bakes these plates, right. it's going to revolutionise what we do. And there were two uh, uh, printers right. sitting by these things, manning this thing. And my dad said to the guys, will you open the, the oven, please, and yes. show, show Princess Anne yeah. this technology? And one of them looked at my dad and just shook his head and said, no. <laughs> and she stood there. Yeah. And my dad says, open, open the yeah. oven now. And the fella says, I don't think that's a good idea. And my dad says, open the thing now. Right. And they opened it and there were two meat and potato pies. <laughs> <laughs> they were just heating their lunch. They were just heating their lunch. Yeah, brilliant. Said to this kid, like, go down there, it happened in somewhere just outside the car, pick up whatever you can, and come back to the office. So he came back to the office, this kid, with a wiper and a piece of the indicator that he found on the road. And, and we, he's like, What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? He said, Well, you told me to pick up whatever I could. So I got the windscreen one. He said, well, No, you're supposed to talk to people, get the fucking details. This guy, and it's, it's, it's evidence, really, and I mean, you know, really, really. so he often didn't communicate quite yeah, as well quite as perhaps as well. he should have done. The passport skimmed like a stone off the desk right, right into Piers' bollocks. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power. Loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.